This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the world. And today we're joined by Craig Earlham in London. Good afternoon, Craig. How are you doing? I'm really good, mate. How are you? Very well, thanks. Taking a look at the markets across Europe, and there are some big falls out there today, around about 2% in most European markets, and uh, we're yet to see America open. We'll see that very shortly. But uh, what's behind the big falls today? Yeah, the US is uh, expected to open slightly lower, but really the driver of the the markets going so much lower today is naturally what we're seeing in Ukraine uh, and the warnings we're getting about a potential imminent invasion. And the reason why the US is responding less than the Europe today is just simply because these reports started to break late on Friday after the European markets have closed. So we saw a big negative move on Wall Street late on Friday. And we're now just getting the kind of the first reaction to that in Europe today. So that's why the moves look so much larger in Europe. Also, I think Europe stands to, again, it goes without saying, be more affected not just in terms of the impact that a Russian invasion of Ukraine could have, but we've got to remember that Europe is far more reliant on Russia than the US is. And when we look at, for example, markets right now where we're seeing very tight oil markets, very tight gas markets, and and Europe relies so heavily on Russian gas, then naturally that means that if we do see an invasion and if Europe does, Europe and, well, NATO hits Russia with sanctions, then they are going to be vulnerable to any counter sanctions and to any counter moves ultimately. So we're starting to see more risk premiums being priced in in terms of oil and gas. Well, we've been seeing it for weeks, but we still have ratchet up on Friday and also going into today. So Europe is just that little bit more vulnerable. It's going to be a really interesting week, really, because this is all happening at a time when there's already so much anxiety in the markets about inflation and interest rates. And aside from the obvious impact of an invasion and the conflict, etc., the inflationary impact or the potential inflationary impact is just going to exacerbate things further and the cost of living crisis that many countries are experiencing is going to be exacerbated if we do see oil go past $100 a barrel, if we do see natural gas continuing to surge. And then obviously that piles more pressure on the central banks who are already raising interest rates and again that just compounds the issue further. So a lot of underlying anxiety in the markets and it's being triggered once again by the reports that we're seeing now over the last few days. And if Russia does invade Ukraine, Craig, how much of this is already priced in? How low could we go? We're already in trouble because of various factors across the globe, inflation, interest rates and so on. The energy crisis looms large, but this could make it a lot worse, could it not? It could. And I think it's always hard to say exactly how much is priced in because ultimately that depends on how much worse things are going to get. So what kind of sanctions are NATO countries going to impose on Russia and what is their response going to be? Now, I would have thought that things like oil and gas are going to be on the table, but I don't think it's going to be something that's going to be utilised straight away. But you just don't know with these things and we don't know how much worse this situation is going to get and just how long it's going to last as well. So there's so many unknowns that it's hard to know exactly how much is priced in. But you can start to see these premiums are being priced into the markets. And as you can see today with the market sell-off, that we are gearing up for a very negative response if the worst case does happen. Some of the globe's big economic beasts are talking today. We've already heard from Mr. Bullard in the United States and Christine Lagarde is due to follow shortly. 
Yeah, we're going to hear from a few central bank policymakers today. And I think that's going to be the main focus this week, really, outside of the Ukraine, is what policymakers are going to say. We've learned a lot from the data recently, and we know that inflation is still going to get a little bit worse before it gets better. But we also know that many central banks are still behind the curve in terms of where the markets are pricing interest rates this year. Now, that's not to say that central banks will ultimately go as far as the markets are saying. But that disconnect is still very much evident, even if they are slowly but surely coming around to it. So the Fed is probably more aligned with markets than most, and to an extent the Bank of England. The ECB still only just recently acknowledged that a rate hike this year may be on the cards, and the markets are pricing in four or five, ten basis point rate increases. So it'll be really interesting again to see if Lagarde drops hints about what we can expect come March. I think James Bullard's comments recently from the Federal Reserve have been really interesting because he's been talking a lot about the fact that, in his view, and I should note, he is among the more hawkish policymakers there, but in his view, the Fed needs to raise rates by 100 basis points or 1% before July. And he even raised the prospect of an inter-meeting decision, uh, which is extremely rare. In fact, you generally only see them going the other way when central banks are being forced to cut interest rates, like, for example, earlier in the pandemic, when there isn't a meeting and a number of them may act around the same period. But you don't generally see them for interest rate hikes. But again, Bullard's suggesting that drastic times call for drastic measures. And I think he's very much referencing this as being one of those occasions where not necessarily it will or it should, but he thinks it should be something that's on the table. That shows how seriously, especially the more hawkish policymakers in these central banks are taking these risks. And he's also talking about the importance of front-loading this. We don't necessarily need to see this pace continue through the year, but for the next three or four meetings, we do need to see plenty of rate hikes so that if the situation does deteriorate and continue to deteriorate further later on in the year, that these central banks aren't really behind the curve and are getting to grips with it as it's happening because the fear obviously is a few rate hikes now may be slightly painful but could address the problems but not doing a few rate hikes now could mean that later on you're forced to do many more in order to try and get back into that kind of similar position so i think he and uh, many others are probably still very wary of this and what we want to know is just how many like where is the consensus view now in that kind of dovish hawkish scale clearly within the fed it's moving towards the more hawkish side like I say same as the bank of england they've talked about front loading suggesting that while there are going to be rate hikes at the next couple of meetings or likely to be and the markets have priced in 100 percent chance at least one at the next two or three meetings the markets are continuing to price it in later on in the year, and that's where the central bank is pushing back. And I think what many of these policymakers are saying right now is, yes, we've got really high levels of inflation now, but we do expect it to peak late in the first quarter, early in the second quarter. We will have raised interest rates a few times by the time we start to see that come through in the data. And then we can take our foot off the gas a bit because if inflation does start to reflect what we say, then we can relax roughly around what we consider the neutral rate to be. What we need to be, though, is we need to be positioned because in the worst case scenario that inflation doesn't slow down and that our projections are not correct, that inflation or interest rates are already to a certain level that we don't need to really massively put our foot on the gas. That seems to be the view among a number of central banks right now. Some are still behind the curve, but it's going to be really interesting to see just where the consensus lands this week. So you've covered most of the remainder of the week, Craig, but is there anything else that we should know about? Well, it's very much just in keeping with what I've just been talking about. So you've got the Fed minutes on Wednesday. I think that's going to be notable. But as always in these situations, it does feel like the minutes kind of are too far back looking. And therefore, I still believe that it's going to be the comments from policymakers across the week that's going to be more important. There is a lot of economic data as well, I should say. There's things like retail sales coming from the US and also the UK. I think we've got CPI data from the UK as well. So that's going to be something to watch. So this is kind of the big data dump week as far as the UK is concerned. 
There's things like ZDW Economic Sentiment Surveys. There's US PPI. So there's plenty of data over the course of the week. The question just becomes, how important is that compared to everything else? And it very much sits third, and I, I, I would argue probably a distant third um, at this point in terms of what matters to the traders, investors, and what's really going to cause these big moves in the markets. I think it's really interesting as well also that gold, for example, over the last couple of sessions has really seen a surge as well. And again, I think that's partly safe haven flows in all of this because of the threat of conflict, but also, again, the inflation thing we've come back to earlier. It really does seem like the big moves in the markets are very widespread, whether we're looking at equity markets, whether we're looking at oil markets and gas, be that things like the, the gold markets, Bitcoin, um, the bond markets, everywhere we seem to look right now, there seems to be plenty of volatility. And I think that is likely to continue throughout this week because of the threat of invasion and because of the amount of data and policymakers we've got speaking as well. It, it really is shaping up to be quite a fascinating week. Well, Craig, thanks very much for joining us today. We'll speak to you again soon. Thank you. This is the Oanda Podcast.